Genesis 26, if you have your Bibles. Genesis chapter 26. Uh, it was October 5th, 25th, 1859, that the steamship Royal Charter rounded Anglesey Island off the coast of Wales. This ship had come from Melbourne, Australia, and was planning to go to Liverpool with five, about 500 men, women, and children on board. It had traveled six, uh, 59 of the 60 days that it would have taken back then to get from Australia to England. Many of these people were coming back feeling very fortunate because they had worked in Australia's gold mines. Many of the passengers had crammed gold into their pockets, money belts, stuffed it in their luggage, locked it in the storage room. In fact, it, it is estimated that the ship was one of the most wealthiest ships ever to travel the ocean. As they're rounding in, they can see the coast of, of Wales in the United Kingdom. On the 59th day, they are toasting each other for a job well done. They're excited about it at dinner. But then the weather changed. They are near the cliff rocks of Wales, so they decided, even though the skies looked very threatening, the barometer had fallen, that they were going to just continue on. It was, uh, his name was Captain Taylor. The decision has gone down in meteorology as the second most questioned decision in history. 41 of the 500 passengers survived. Most of them drowned, and it is found afterwards that most of them drowned because their pockets were full of gold. There are times in life things happen and you're going to have to make decisions. And what you're going to hold on to and what you're going to let go of. In the text we're going to read a famine has hit the land. Isaac is experiencing a famine. This is not the famine that his father had experienced, but his father Abraham had experienced a famine. This is not due to his lack of faith. This is not due to his any kind of sin or disobedience. This is something that just happens in life from time to time. The question is, what decisions do you make in a time of famine? A severe famine, verse 1, Genesis 26, a severe famine now struck the land. And as it happened before in Abraham's time, so Isaac moved to Gier, where King Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, lived. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but I do tell... Uh, but." Uh, uh, do as I tell you. 
Live here as a foreigner in the land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. And hereby I, uh, I hereby confirm that I will give you all the land to you and to your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all these lands." And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commandments, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gier. Now, the reason why God has to tell him this is because his father in a time of famine went to Egypt. And so this was obviously a temptation. There are times in life that there are famines in life. There are difficulties. There are times of feeling of not having enough. Uh, We've never really experienced much of a famine in the United States. uh, And in modern Western times, uh, there have been famines. There are currently famines in the earth right now. Many of them are political. I was going to actually use the great potato famine of the 1800s that drove out a huge percentage of Irish population that many of you have descendants that go back to. I believe it's one in four Americans. But that has political motivations as well as a a fungus that affected the uh, the potatoes. Recessions come and go. We recent, you know, recently it was. Gosh, it's getting on fifteen years. But two thousand eight, we saw a major crash in the markets, in the in in the housing markets, in the stock markets, and in the mortgage. uh, uh, fiasco of Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and all of that began to happen and it rocked everything. I've seen and lived through enough uh, recessions, not a depression, but recessions to know hard times come. Not only do they come in the economic realm, they come in all sorts of ways of life. There can be diagnosis. There can be sudden changes of health. There can be sudden changes where someone may pass away or circumstances change a job, a situation. Something happens. These can happen in life. Sometimes they're because of our own doing. Sometimes we just messed up. Sometimes this is because of outward circumstances and we had no control over it. Sometimes this is because others do things that affect us, make bad decisions. God will use circumstances. He doesn't create all circumstances, but he will use circumstances to help us understand who we are. And how we need to change. I am not one that totally believes that circumstances shape you. I do believe that that's part of it. But I also believe it reveals you. When people make bad decisions, that's a revelation of their heart. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. My dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if some strange thing has happened to you. Instead, be glad, for these trials make 
you partners with Christ in his sufferings so that you will have a joy, a wonderful joy of seeking his glory when it is revealed to the whole world. It was the French president and war hero Charles de Gaulle that said the man of character finds a special attractiveness in difficulty since it is only by coming to grips with difficulty that he can realize his potentials. And so difficulties come in life. And how we respond to them is critical. It is said life is 5% of what happens to you and 95% of how you respond to that. I don't know if that's actually true because I believe that 65.2% of statistics are made up on the spot. So I can't tell you if that's true or not. Some of you will get that later. But anyway, right? That I, I don't know, but I do understand that a good portion of life is not what happens to you, but how you respond. Here's Isaac. He's now in a famine. He's now dealing with difficulty in the land. There's all sorts of problem. And his main temptation is to do what his father did. Put it in B for book it and get out of there. Run. And unfortunately in our day, this is, this is what many people do. As soon as they have a marriage problem, we're getting a divorce. That's it. We're out. I'm out of here. You don't think I'm going to be treated like that. You got nothing going, you know. You know, 75% of people who were wanted a divorce and didn't get it, five years later were happy they didn't. But that's our generation. Ah, we'll just move on. That's why they, that's why many of the young people aren't even getting married. It just makes that sticky paperwork when it all falls apart not have to be dealt with. Some people, when they have financial problems, they just hide from them. They don't deal with it. They just hide from it. Bury their head in the sand. I've seen people in Lithuania, when they'd hit some problems, they just some of them would jump countries. Just get out. Just try to pretend it didn't happen. They'll run away. I've seen children do this to parents. I've seen parents do this to children. I've seen people come to a church as soon as there's a problem. I'm out of here. You know, well, good luck on your next church because you know what? As soon as you're going to be there, well, never mind. And so I've seen people run away physically. I've seen people run away emotionally. I've seen people run away spiritually. I've seen people run away socially. Second Timothy 4.10, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Paul's in jail. He's not kind. This is not, yeah, this isn't, yeah, it's not what I signed up for. I seem to recall the scripture where Jesus said, I have chosen you. You didn't choose me. I do remember that. Do you? John 15.16. Just saying. But he's out of there. He leaves. Because it's not what he thought it should be. A difficulty comes up. 
The temptation to run is the thought that if I just change the circumstances, everything will be okay. I love this article. Researchers in London did an 18-year project study on people's financial expectations in life in comparison with actual outcomes. Some people rely on pessimism to lower the bar and ensure a satisfaction with life's outcomes. Others rely on optimism to forecast and create a more helpful, hopeful and happy future. Chris Dawson said plans based on inaccurate beliefs make for poor decisions are bound to deliver worse outcomes than would have rationally, uh, rational, realistic beliefs. For many people, uh, for I think many people not having enough to spend on your days striving for a positive outcome, this might actually work for their relief. What we see is being realistic about your future and making sound decisions based on the evidence can bring a sense of well-being than rather than immersing yourself in false positivity. They went on to say that in the stu- in context of the COVID-19 crisis, researchers highlight that optimists and pessimists are alike. They made bad decisions based on a bias of expectations. That's what people do. They, rather than saying, what does God want? They allow emotions. They allow all sorts of other factors to determine their decisions. And it's never, what does God want? When I worked at Ferrante, my job was to pressure test things. I had this job. I worked with a lot of water pressure and tested certain things. And you could tell some things were going to fail just by kind of looking at them. And some things were not obvious. Think about the pull towards Egypt. Better foods, maybe better jobs. Better whatever he thought, you know, here... Isaac may have thought was pulling him down there. Just like others, I've seen the parable of the lost son, the parable of the prodigal son. He goes on his way thinking it's going to be better if I just leave dad's farm. In Lithuania, when the Lithuania went into the European Union. Now the Lithuanians could work all throughout Europe and make better money. Lithuania actually was the lowest paid of the countries that came in in that realm. Only Bulgaria and Romania would actually have paid lower that are in the European Union today. So many thought, oh, if I go to England or if I go to Spain or if I go to Somewhere else. But you know, everyone who left the church to do that either ended up back spending lots of money they didn't have or divorced. Most of them 
aren't even saved. Because they thought, ah, this would be better. This will, this will, this will help me out. Joe Gibbs, a former coach in the NFL, said, God loves us in good times and bad, but he is even more real in our lives when we have tough times. Loves you the same, whether you're going through good things or bad things. But often it's in those times we're, we're willing to listen. God speaks to Isaac, verses 2 and 3 of our text. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. God has a way of speaking. He says, don't go south. Don't you do it. Don't do it. You stay right here where I put you. Some people complain about Christianity. There's so many do-nots. There are some do-nots. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. There's some do-nots in Christianity. You shall not do this. I love in in Lithuania when people would go, what part of do-not don't you understand? The problem in Lithuania, they actually do-not just was a Negative on on the beginning of the word, ne. So it didn't quite. So what part of ne don't you understand? Part of no. But then there are the specific and the personal. Where God deals with you specific. There is no command in the Ten Commandments, right? It's not stuck in there. You know, it's, you know, I, I, they're changing exits in, in, in a lot of the country, and New York's on the list to do this, where rather than have it 15A, B, and C, they're actually going to make it now mile markers, and they've done this in Massachusetts and, and other places, and New York's going to have this done eventually, and uh, where they, you know, but they didn't slide in a Commandment 5B, it's not somewhere in between thou shall not murder and thou shall not steal that you, you know, is this commandment thou shall not go to Egypt. But for Isaac, it was. For Isaac, don't do this. And there will be times we'll come to crossroads and we can point to all the circumstances. But what is God saying? What is God speaking? Adam Clark said of this, Abraham had taken refuge in that country. And it was probable that Isaac was preparing to go down there for he had traveled almost halfway to it. God foreseeing that he could meet his needs in this trial and maybe what could have happened to him in Egypt. He warns him not to fulfill his intentions. 1 John 5, 3, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. God can see things in the future that we can't. He makes him a promise. It's not just a, you, you obey me or else. 
He says in verse 3, and I'll be with you and I will bless you. I will confirm that I will give you all the land to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. There's promises to the decisions we make. There's blessing. You know, God doesn't just say, pay your tithe. He says, pay your tithe and I'll bless you. Open the windows of heaven. He doesn't just say, worship me. He says, you worship me and I will come and be with you. There's promises to what he commands us to do. Second Corinthians 7, 1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. Tremendous promises. Isaac's opportunity was to receive the promises. So now he has a choice. There's a famine in the land. But there's promises. But there's immediate relief in Egypt. But what if he had gone to Egypt? What would have been in his future? We know what his son did. Hebrews twelve sixteen, And make sure no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn for Meat for a little bit of pleasure trades it away. Because now the choices come down to obeying God or emotions. Obeying God or ease. Obeying God or pleasure. Obeying God or gain? The question, what would have happened to his future had he disobeyed? He doesn't get the promises with disobedience. That's what every parent learns. It's called bribery. When a parent does it, if you'll be good, I'll take you to McDonald's or buy you a Snickers or whatever it is. Right? If you behave, I'll give you a reward. This is not just simply to make us look good for the moment. This is eternal we're talking about. We're talking about the plans and the purposes of God in the earth that God puts upon him on his decision. Doing what is right. The problem of doing what is right is that first, it's unknown territory. I'm sure he looked around. In fact, if you read on, this is where he almost gets in big trouble by pulling the sin that his father did. Hey, honey, you're really pretty. Would you tell them you're my sister and not my wife so that they don't kill me? 
That's, uh, you know, that gets him in some trouble. You read on, that's what happens in the next verses. But he gets through that. God helps him. He makes the decision. It's not all, it's not clear. It's not the best worked out decision. But he decides that he is going to live there as a foreigner. Begins to redig wells and you can go on and look at that. But he takes God at his word. Okay, God, you're going to bless me. It's nothing wrong with when you obey God to say, God, this is what you said. I'm claiming that for myself. You said, if I do this, you're going to bless me. Well, Lord, I did this. Maybe not perfectly, but I did it, and you're going to bless. That's what Isaac could have said. Verse 12 of Genesis 26. And when Isaac planted his crops this year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord had blessed him. Many of us aren't grain farmers or farmers at all. Some of you might have backyard gardens, but you know, you don't really want a hundred times more tomatoes than you plant because there just comes that point where you can't give them away anymore. In Lithuania, it seemed like every other year was a good harvest of apples. True story. We, we had an apple tree in our yard when we first moved there. We lived out in the, in the, in the, uh, in the sodas, in the garden area. And we had an apple tree. We're picking apples. I've got one of the guys over from the church, Hendrickus. He's picking apples. He's going to take them. He's going to sell them. And one of my neighbors comes over and wants to greet us to the neighborhood, which was very kind. And he gave me two bags of apples. It's like kind of giving a glass of water to a drowning man. It was, it was kind, but it's, you know, uh, not exactly what, uh, so, but anyway, a nice neighbor and we got along great and it was a kind thing, but then the next year there was nothing. Like there were no apples on the tree. It was six apples. And then we sold the house and the next year there were a lot of apples again. But the blessing that comes upon those who obey God in difficult times, the increase. What you wouldn't mind is if you put $10 in the bank and they gave you a 1000 back. Now, you wouldn't mind that. That's a hundredfold. That it multiplies quite strongly. God promised, you obey, I will bless. Isaac also preserved his destiny. He preserved the calling that God had had for his life. I've seen people, they want to do it on their terms, and it rarely works out well. Genesis 4, 6 through 8, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give them all of these lands. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to my voice, 
and obeyed all my requirements, commandments, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed. Yeah. He made the decision, I'm staying. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. William Carey is often called the father of modern missionaries. William Carey went to Calcutta. He was an Englishman. He went to Calcutta, India. He spent the first year of his missionary endeavor there just simply learning the Bengali language to communicate with others. He had others who had gone there. His wife and his son had gone with him. And in the first six years, a friend came and some others came and they began to translate the New Testament into Bengali, formulating what would be a very principle of missionary community and uh, living and such and being self-reliant and just doing this. But while he was there in the first five years, his son Peter died of dysentery. The stress on his wife, Dorothy, she suffered a nervous breakdown from which she never did recover. William Carey would marry again and his second wife, Charlotte, would die in 1821. Followed by his eldest son, Felix, in 1823, he married for a third time. He married a woman named Grace Hughes. William Carey spent 41 years in India without a furlough. Never went back to England. Never in those years. When he finished in 41 years, his mission counted just about 700 converts. On some levels, people might have said that was a failure. He laid a very impressive foundation for Bible translation, education, reform. Thus, he has been called the father of modern missions. But that wasn't the end of the story. Recently, I was I had the privilege of preaching in Calcutta. Most of you know that. And to know that there's a Bible in Bengali that people are still getting saved because William Carey obeyed God. If he had lived back in England in luxury and ease, he would have faded into history. We wouldn't have a clue who he was. But it's not just 700 converts. There are still people today Affected. That's why you'll hear me speak from time. You know the three principal English missionaries that stand out to me are William Carey, David Livingston, and Hudson Taylor. And they are sacrificed. The things they went through, they stayed in lands in times of famine. And if we compare our difficulties to theirs, what is that? Had to go around 590, had a big accident today, so it actually took me 35 minutes to get to church. Oh my goodness, the pain of it all. 
true this evening. There was an accident. And it did take me 35 minutes to get to church. Right? That would be my big suffering of the day. But could you stay? Can you listen to God's voice and obey him? Rather than letting emotions or desires or... And even in the difficult times, God will bless you. God will help you. The impact of a life like that may not even be seen at its end. Because it goes on and on and on. All the nations of the earth, people who you don't even know, are blessed by your faithfulness and your decisions. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Storms come in life. Jesus said the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There's just no way around that. You're going to go through difficulties. There's going to be times where, you know what, sometimes of your own making, sometimes of other people's doings, sometimes because of circumstances. But whatever it might be, there's a God in heaven that does hear you, love you, care about you. He doesn't promise to solve all your problems, but what he does promise to do is forgive all your sins. To change your life. It's called being born again. And maybe you're here tonight. You're not right with God. You're not saved. You're not a Christian. I wonder if that's you. If you'd slip up your hand and say, you know what? I need to get my heart right with Jesus. I can see that some of my own storms and famines are my own making and I need to repent because my sin has brought me down a bad path. I need to get my heart right very quickly. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Maybe you're backslidden, not saved, whatever it is. Changing the call then to Christians. Storms come. Famines come. They happened to Abraham. They happened to Isaac. They happened to David. David found out there was a reason behind that one. Saul's sins. But they happen. And in life, the decisions that we make, the widow at Zarephath made a decision in a time of famine, spared her family. the emotions, we can let the attractions sometimes take us out and fade us into Olivia. Sometimes if we'll stand, I can tell you if you'll obey God, God will bless you.
Let's give him praise. Let's worship him. Father, we love you, God. We praise you, God. Oh, thank God, thank God.